You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Saints for a touchdown! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. And we're coming off the bye week blues after a tough loss in Atlanta, 24 to 15. Even the score just looks ugly. Uh, for the Saints in the matchup. And Jeff, I'm glad you're okay, but I know you were busy basically hanging out at the, the injury tent the entire time in Atlanta. Man, these last two weeks, like three weeks, I guess, but these last two games, like I feel like, you know, we talked about it, the Saints have had really good injury luck for the first half of the season. Uh, it all changed very quickly. <laughs> like the, you finished that game with a worse wide receiver core than you had in 2021. I didn't think that was possible. As you finish that game with, man, there's no disrespect to these guys. These are not your, your wide receivers. You don't have them here to catch passes. And Lynn Bowden, A.T. Perry, and Keith Kirkwood. You're like, oh, that's, they're down 10. They, got a, they still got a chance. No, 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 no. This, the fact that they were able to still move the ball with in the second half, like that's one of the things that like when, when Chris Olave went down in that game and I was like early in the second half, it's like, oh, this is over. And the fact that they were still able to move the ball, honestly, is pretty impressive when you think about it. But, you know, we'll we'll get into it. That was just unpleasant. And it's just, you know, it's like you'd like to be able to sit here and say like, oh, well, you know, thing, everything went wrong, you know, and this and that. And you were in these really difficult circumstances. But 
at the end of the day, it's just another example of what we have seen throughout the course of the season, which is just inept red zone offense, you know, mistakes, uh, you know, the, the turnovers in that game were just, you know, even with all of those problems, you probably still win that game. If you don't have those two red zone turnovers, you could say that's a 20 point swing in the game potentially, because yeah. instead of two touchdowns in the red zone, you didn't score any points. Actually, so you could you could say that that's a potentially a 28-point swing in that game because instead of two touchdowns for 14 points that you could have had, you allowed two touchdowns for 14 points on the other end, one directly into it and another one a 95-yard touchdown drive. So like that's a, that, that's a potentially 28-point swing. The, at the minimum, a 20-point swing, even if you kicked seven field goals in that game, <laughs> like you probably win it if you do. Uh, and you, you know, any I, I uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into it, but I do want to talk. We want to get into the latest injury updates, kind of what yeah. you're you're looking at coming out of that game because it just seems like everyone was hurt. But here, what are the injuries that you're actually watching? What did we hear from Dennis Allen today? That sort of thing. So we'll get into that. And we also heard from Alvin after the game, and he talked about how his team doesn't have an identity. We'll listen to what he had to say, and then also what Dennis Allen had to say, who does think this team has an identity. And, man, it's just like the, every time he talks, you just kind of get this big eye roll. You know, it, it's it's so difficult to to take him seriously. And And I know that's, you know, like – how many times can you go up there and say the same thing with the same tone? And, you know, maybe, maybe it's different internally, but I can understand why people are just like, just stop, just stop talking. Just get this man off my TV. So we'll, we'll get into that second segment as we've done, we'll do the, what didn't work because there was a lot that didn't work. So that'll be the long segment. And then the final segment we'll do what did work and kind of reset where the saints are. They still do control their own destiny, although it is a much, much narrower road than it than it would have been with a win, which would have, you know, almost guaranteed the not guaranteed the division, but like would have put you in a really good position. Now, you know, if you don't win out, I don't know what happens. So we'll get into all that. But you know, first things first, you know, what were your kind of, you know, watching the game from from here? What were your kind of impressions uh, live? How 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 much of a conniption was Bobby throwing throughout the game? That kind of stuff. Well, obviously, you know, things started out wacky with issues in-house with microphones and yeah. uh, the national There were penalties anthem. on that opening drive that I still don't know what they are or what they were because, we, like, I think it, well, there was one that was defensive holding that was declined. Um, <laughs> no frigging clue. <laughs> but, but with the game, it, I mean – Things started out rough right away just with injury aspects. You know, with uh, things happen, Rashid Shahid getting hurt, and you kind of saw him trying to manage through it yeah. the entire game. And then I became, you know, watching him going, no, just sit down. I don't want you to get hurt any worse. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm hoping that's not the case, obviously, with, with him going forward. Find out more when the Wednesday injury report comes out on the uh, the quad. Is that what the injury is being listed that as a quad issue quad thigh you know something in that realm but the offense you know i was impressed obviously what chris olave was able to do in that first half of action it was like holy crap this is the guy we've been waiting to see um yeah. you know with mike t down obviously a hurt shaheed it's like yes take over take over the game like we we've seen you do in training camp and we we talked all about leading up to this and then unfortunate obviously an injury with him and you know, then you start obviously to see Derek Carr really struggle in the matchup. And to me, 
obviously that's understandable when you're down now one, two, three of your top receivers. But the biggest disappointment was the leakage of run yards uh, that it was Atlanta was just able to pile up, and it didn't matter who was running the rock; they were getting yardage. Yeah, and particularly on those last two drives, which you know you you go back and you're like, okay, the defense did handle you know i wouldn't say it was great but it did keep points off the board right like they only like the falcons scored seven points in that game prior to the final two drives right the the def, the falcons defense scored seven points which is what made it much more difficult for the saints yeah but their saints defense allowed seven points through three quarters and then the final two drives of that game which were in the fourth quarter they allowed a touchdown a 95 yard drive for a touchdown and then a long drive for a short field goal. And that's where you really – you needed the defense to kind of hold up, and they didn't. You know, they, they forced two turnovers, so that helped keep points off the board, right? Like one of those turnovers was at the end of the first half that, you know, they were – like that was a huge mistake by the Falcons in terms of, you know, you're guaranteed three points, and they ended up throwing an interception to Tyron Matthew, kind of gift-wrapped it to him. But, yeah, so the, that, the run defense – we'll talk more about that, but let's just put a boat – so on these injuries right now, Dennis Allen talked about Rashid's injury. You know, it sounds like it happened on the first play of the game. I know there was some indicator. People were saying that his injury happened on that ball that was thrown behind him. And it's like, no, he was already hurt at that point. Maybe he made it worse. I don't know. But whatever that injury was, it's on the first play of the game. And you've, you got, you know, I felt bad for him because you watch him on the sideline. At one point, I saw him throw his water bottle to the ground. He was on a bike kind of trying to keep it loose. I felt for him too, right? You know, it, he there, there was a point where Lynn Bowden went down and it was clear that he's like trying to talk his way back into the game. And you like Lynn Bowden went down with an injury and he just immediately like, jumped up, went and grabbed his helmet and ran over. And you could tell he was like trying to like, get let me in. Let me go. Let me go. And every time he got in there, you looked like he was good for one play, like he was good getting into the play. But then after it was just it seemed like it was getting worse. And, you know, I saw him walk off the field. Marquez Callaway went with him. He had a towel over his head. You know, it's just it's a bummer because, you know, he's a guy who has been very effective and wants to be out there. He's not the type of player that's just going to sit out because he's not feeling right and he just couldn't go. And, you know, it's hopefully, like you said, hopefully he didn't injure it worse is the is because it doesn't sound like he's going to be back this week based on what Dennis Allen said. I think he said it's got to, you know, whatever, however he phrased it does not sound promising. And that's a problem because you're already without Mike Thomas. Chris Olave went out with with a concussion. You know, it was a back shoulder throw. Whether that was intentional or not, he got to it, right? He, he made a play on the ball. AJ Terrell comes back, kind of pushes him out of bounds. And that's where, you know, it's just bad luck in an NFL. Like, that's a play that happens in an NFL game all the time. The issue is, you know, his momentum kind of carried him and he flipped over. He landed on his head. Just a freak injury, right? And so now he's in the concussion protocol. And we've seen throughout this season that, it's difficult to get back in one week from the concussion protocol, particularly for Chris, because this is not his first concussion. He had one his rookie season. And so that, you know, makes it a little bit, you know, more significant in terms of the hurdle to clear. So there's so who a chance. Do we have they, left? Right, right. Exactly. There's a chance <laughs> they go into this game without Mike Thomas, Marshawn, I'm sorry, well, Marshawn Lattimore, but Rashid Shaheed <laughs> or Chris Olave. What? So you're talking about Marquez Calloway? Uh, A.T. Perry, uh, Keith Kirkwood, uh, John Trey Kirkland. You know, he's a guy on the practice squad. Maybe you go sign 
Traquan Smith off of the Denver Broncos practice squad and see what happens, right? Take it back. I don't know. Take it back. But, you know, this is this has now become, you know, one of the reasons that loss to the Falcons is so damaging oh. is now the week 13 against the Lions starts to feel like a must win. Like we talk about, we're going to talk about how Saints control their own destiny, quote unquote. Well, that's only true if you can go beat the Lions or, you know, beat the Lions when you host them. And that's going to be tough to do without any of your skill position players. Maybe this is a Jimmy Graham experience week. I don't know. Um, but. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's not, and, and they're not a lot. Like it seemed like every other place someone was going down with an injury. So just yeah. a list. Lynn Bowden, we mentioned he got hurt at one point. Alante Taylor came off the field at one point. I don't know what he was dealing with. Maybe he caught a cramp or something. He was chasing down Desmond Ritter, which might cost the entire game. Kept calling De Ritter, which was hilarious to me. <laughs> so he came off the field, but he he ended up being fine. Like he came out of the tent, and kind of bed did some backpedaling. They made him like test it out. And it worked. So maybe he just caught a cramp and they got lucky. Uh, Juwan Johnson left the field, went back to the locker room at one point for a concussion test. Clearly, he cleared the concussion protocol and came back in. Eric McCoy left at one point, saw him with his shoulder pads off. So it must have been a shoulder thing he was dealing with. Ryan Ramchek came off the field at one point, but apparently it was a shoe issue. Um, So nothing really significant there. And Cam Jordan was the other guy who left the game and didn't return, but I don't know if he would have returned. It's tough because it was late in the game. I don't think they got back on the field. That was that last drive for the field goal. He's dealing with an ankle issue, Dennis Allen said today. It was initially reported as a shin. Jamal Williams also came off the field late with a sh- what looked like a shoulder issue. I mean, I think that's it, but... Uh. It's and and like after last week where you had basically the same thing, right? You had Mike Thomas, you had Marshawn Latimer, Alante Taylor came off the field at one point. You know, it was like every other play, someone was in the injury tent, and then you like you what you know you end up having to have people wait outside the injury tent because someone's already in there. Right, that's when you know things are really gone to shit when that stuff's happening. Yeah, it's just not good. It's not good, and, and you know it all kind of crystallizes into what was this team's identity before the injuries, and then. I don't, even, I don't even know what it is now. And, you know, we talked to Alvin Kamara after the game and, you know, he talked about, it, you know, it's like, does this team have an identity, you know, and and it doesn't seem like they do. And and here's some of what he had to say. We don't have an identity as a team. We're, we're a team that says we want to do and we don't do. And it's, it shows it's we're consistently inconsistent. Do you mean that overall or as an offense? We're consistently inconsistent. Everybody with a fleur de lis on their body and on their head, we're consistently inconsistent. That's that's what I'm saying. I'm saying as a team, consistently yeah. inconsistent. And so, do do you think that includes like the training staff and like you know like you know like the the equipment managers? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know because they have fleur de lis on. Just saying, just saying. It sounds like he's lumping everybody in. Everybody. Shoot, I'm um, in tr- I'm in trouble right now. Somewhere. Yeah, no, it just says Saints, I think, on here. I think I'm I'm safe. Yeah, it doesn't count. Sorry, yeah, it doesn't count. You're not included. You're not included. Good, all right. You, you have missed. Um <laughs> but you know, he kept saying need to do and stopping there. And and it's like I don't know if he need to do more, need to do better. He, he was also talking about the need to do instead of the talk, talk, talk. He's sick of the talking, yeah. he was saying. Right. He's he tired of hearing people say we've got to be better. And then it's like, so, but what are you going to do? What's your plan? About to it, be right. Better? You know, I think it's like this, you hear one of the reasons that whenever Alvin talks, it's, it's very poignant is because he's saying a lot of the stuff that everyone has been saying. And it's like, 
Yeah, I agree. You need to be better. We all know you need to be better. So when are you going to be better? Like what, what are you going to change to be better? And right now it just seems like that's all lip service. That's because what's changed. What are you changing? You know, like, like they should have changed offensive coordinators a month and a half ago. They're not going to do it now. Cause if they were going to do it, they would have done it. But the you Panthers, see, they made radical changes. Why right. can't we? <laughs> I was just about to get into right. And you see, like the Steelers, they make changes and you know, they, they have some improved play on offense. The bills make changes. looks like their offense is kind of getting on track a little bit. The Panthers fired Frank Reich. Although I almost think like that has something to do with him. Like sub just like sending David Tepper, angry texts. Every time CJ threat throws a touchdown pass, right? I don't know. Just <laughs> like maybe he forced his hand there a little bit. Cause that's all like, if I was in Frank Reich's position and I'm sitting at one 11 watching CJ Stroud look like a future MVP as my, as Bryce young, you know, can't even see over his offensive line. Um, yeah. I, I would probably not let that ride either. Cause it's like, think about like, how do you get fired as a head coach? Well, in part because things fall apart in terms of the relationship between you and your owner. And how does a relationship between you and your owner fall apart? Well, probably because he's your owner calls you up and be like, what the hell's going on? Why are we so bad? And you're like, we have Bryce young. You <laughs> right. <laughs> you didn't let me draft my quarterback the guy you wanted. Yeah. And you can't fire the owner. So if someone's got to go like when that relationship sours, the owner is not going to sell the team. Right. <laughs> So there's only one option and it's fire the coach. And so like, that's why, you know, one of the reasons that I don't think the saints are losing this locker room. I don't think they're the relationships within the locker room are not fraying the way that I think a lot of people outside the locker room might, might assume they are right. You see on Twitter, it's like, Oh, DA is going to lose the locker room. I don't think players dislike playing for DA. I, I almost, I, I almost wish they disliked it more because you know, like I feel like some of them are just too comfortable, right? Like I think like there isn't necessarily this idea that they're get their feet are held to the fire. But um, I do think there's something there though, because when Alvin spoke, he mentioned the fact that he's like, wait a minute, the players, everything's cool with the players right now in the locker room, you know? I I don't think that that that's here. I I have that answer right here. Okay, I feel like we good. Like I said, I'm playing for the, them dudes. When you lose a locker room, it's, it's I, I feel like there's there's some miscommunications or misunderstandings with the, between players, and there's none of that. There's none of that going on. Um, so there's no loss of a locker room in that in that aspect. Of what you're saying as far as players go. As far as players go, so I don't know. There was I don't know. I was left to interpret a little more there. Well, so I, I I do get tired of the of the amateur uh, behavioral psychology on Twitter because like that's a good example of I think Alvin it's like you listen to Alvin enough and you kind of understand where he's coming from and what his reactions are and why his demeanor is the way it is and I think when he's talking about the players it's because he is a player and like later in the in the interview he was asked you know how would you fix things and he said well I'm a coach I'll talk to you about that right and yeah. I think he's very cognizant of this is my lane. This is what I do. And I can control what I can control. I said that about 12 times and he's not going to go out there and tell you the coaching staff is this or that, or this or that. He's going to tell you that from a player perspective, from the interpretation that he has with his teammates, that's not something that he's concerned about. Right. And so like, and it, and it all, it, this was something that, you know, over the week, there was a question asked by, you know, Matt, Paris, the new NOLA.com beat reporter. And he asked him like about Derek Carr and Alvin kind of gave a pause and then gave kind of a generic answer. And it's funny because like, like this whole amateur behavioral psychology bullshit, right? 
and everyone's like, oh, he must hate Derek Carr. Otherwise, he would have given this super, you know, a different answer. He wouldn't have paused, and that pause said everything. And, you know, no disrespect to Matt, who I think has done a very good job. He's just kind of coming in midstream here. The reaction from Alvin, it was, well, you can kind of read it in his face is, well, that's a dumb fucking question. And that's why he paused. And, you know, it's funny because one of, I know this because he said that, Alvin. You know, he actually replying to me because I was like, I think people are reading too much into this. And I didn't want to call out the, the question. But like that was kind of my thought is that he just kind of thought it was a dumb question. And it took him a second to just kind of like, you know. Right, and that was the the attitude people were picking up. It was this this disgust in what he was being asked. It was like, really? I don't think it's even, yeah, disgust. It's just like, well, that's kind of dumb. And and that's like when he he quoted my tweet and said it was just because like Derek was never gone, right? Like he was throughout the whole week. Everyone knew he was going to play. So it wasn't like there was like this, oh, who's going to be our court? Like they all knew. And so that's, but like that's an example of like, you know, sometimes it's just, just don't assume what you don't know, right? Like you can only, you're, you're just observing. I had someone be like, well, you have to pay attention to, to what the, the body language is telling you. And it's like, I do pay attention, but the reaction you have is based on 29 seconds of, of video. <laughs> like, and, you know, I think I've said this before on the podcast. One of my concerns is that Alvin's going to check out, right? And Throughout the season, I think you have seen him get a little bit more, I can only do what I can do, kind of. You know, early on, it was a very, a much more, I don't want to say eager, but it was it was a much more kind of urgent type emotional reaction to things. And over the last month, it feels like that's been more subdued, especially in the middle of the week. And so that's my concern. I, I don't think Alvin is going to, is going to throw his teammates under the bus. And like, that's what people thought he was doing with that Derek Carr quote this where is, he's been frustrated in the past, but this is the most frustrated he's been in, you know, his career. And obviously you, you hate hearing that um, right now. And, you know, the, the fact is too, the team and, and Alvin are just as frustrated, obviously as the fans are, you, you hear him too. It's like, listen, if you, you could point this camera at me and tell me what the how, what the fix is. Uh, that shoot, that that's easy, but that I, I, that's not the problem right now. It's like we don't know what the fix is, and all you can do is grind away and work at it. And you know, I get that, and it's it, I know fans don't necessarily want to hear it, but I, I have to rely on a guy like Alvin as one of the leaders on this team, and and hearing from him as wanting to steer this team in the right direction too. And I know we mentioned keeping spirits up because it's easy to get in that dark place right now when things aren't going right. Yeah. And you know, I haven't, like, like I said, like, you know, there is a lot of observation that goes on throughout the course of a season and I don't report a lot of it, right? Like we're not allowed to report a lot of the stuff that we see in the locker room or I see on the plane, right? Like that's part of the deal is I'll give you access, but you're not, there's certain things that you're not talking about. Right. And so a lot of it is just kind of seeing how players interact with each other and kind of, you know, and, and I have not seen any notable shift in emotion or in, in like, I think that this team is just like when Alvin says that I, I, I believe them in terms of they are still playing for each other. And it's not about that. It's just about success and, and failure. And there's been too much of that. Um, the interesting thing is Dennis Allen was asked about the identity thing on yeah. Monday press conference and 
he thinks that this team does have an identity. And I think a lot of people would be interested in to hear that, that quote. So here it is. I wouldn't say that we don't have an identity. Um, you know, I thought, I thought we, I thought we came out in the game. I thought we ran the ball effectively. I thought we were able to get the ball down the field effectively. Um, you know, we made some critical mistakes. But if we don't make critical mistakes in in those situations, we're probably having a different discussion up here. What do you think the team's identity is? Then, if you feel differently than he does. Well, I think we're. I think we have explosive players on offense. I think we've we've proved that we can be explosive on offense. Um, you know, defensively, I think we do a really good job of taking the football away. There's some areas in, in both phases and all three phases that we have to improve on. Um, but I think we have I think we have a fast, explosive offense, uh, and I think we have an opportun- opportunistic defense. Well, I tweeted that quote. You know, people are going to just like collectively roll their eyes, like talked about. Like I think it's really easy to just roll your eyes at that. But the funny thing is, he's not wrong in the sense that. This team does generate a lot of explosive plays. They're tied for the NFL lead with nine plays of 40-plus yards. In that game alone, they had six plays of 20-plus yards. They move the ball. They they generate explosive plays. The problem is you don't generate explosive plays into the end zone. We were talking about this before we came on. Like none of the, you, There's not a lot of explosive plays that end up as touchdowns. And then if you're not finishing off those plays, then it doesn't really mean a ton, right? Like kicking field goals is not going to get the job done. Uh, On the other side of that, opportunistic defense, yes, you do have an opportunistic defense. You're tied for fourth in takeaways with 20. You had two in that game. But, you know, you talk about opportunistic. You know, the difference in that game is the Falcons got two takeaways and they got 14 points off those takeaways. The Saints got two takeaways. You know how many points they got off those takeaways? Zero. And, you know... The pick six was the gut punch, and then the Taysom fumble was just the slice in the throat. The pick six was bad, and and both of them were Jesse Bates, you know. Yeah. And you talk about oh, okay, returning of return on investment. They spent a lot to bring in Jesse Bates. You could argue that he was the difference in that game, um, and you would be right. I mean, very clearly, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he saved them fourteen points, and he generated. He's, I guess, you could say he didn't. You don't know if they would have scored. They probably might have gone over seven in the red zone or whatever. But, you know, he <laughs> saved at least six points and he generated seven on his own. And, you know, that that play on Derek Carr, you know, it's funny because there's a lot of criticism of Derek Carr. And I think he's right in the fact that, like, you're just going on rules, right? When you're when you're running an offense, you're saying, OK, if we get this look, we're going here. Right. If the receiver wins, I'm throwing it there. And Jesse Bates just. He's playing single high. His job is to make sure nothing gets there. And but he read the eyes and he broke on it so early that like he, he Car, Derek didn't even know he was there. And no, he was in know, Derek's head. It was crazy. And what's funny because in in most cases you'd be like, well, that's you know the dangerous throws, the throws that would typically turn into a ninety yard pick six or the throws to the edges of the field where the outside corner is breaking on the ball. A throw to the middle, you would think. You know, that's not a pick six throw. But, you know, when you're in that compressed area, he's able to do that, right? If that's, if that play is from the 40 and he's playing single high, no way is he going to be able to break on it because it's too far away. But because you're in that kind of compressed area, he was. And, you know, that's that's why it's a pick six because he's got a full head of steam when he catches it. <laughs> you're not getting them. But, you know, it was a, it was a great play by him. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's like... 
you look at things, it's like, okay, when you're evaluating a quarterback, it's like, what could he have done differently? And I think you're going to, the coaches are going to look at him and be like, it's the right read. Jesse just beat him. Um, and, and that's frustrating. Uh, cause you know, do you call a different play? Do you, do you run a play differently? I don't know. Um, but at the end of the day, the Falcons were the opportunistic team in that game. Right. And the saints were not. I mean, yeah, we, the Tyron Matthew tried to will the team back into things as he much did. as he could, but damn it. We just did the saints just didn't want to do anything with those, those footballs. Forget it. And it's so frustrating. Like that taste of fumble, like there, I asked oh. DA, uh, you know, it's like, well, why don't you just kind of kill just let the clock run out and go to the fourth quarter and just run your best play your first and 10. And, you know, it's like, it's hindsight, right? The play worked. The play that they ran worked. So the theory was we're going to catch them on their heels. The play worked. It was a 10-yard run down to the seven. But Jesse Bates punched it out. And it's like, it's like if that if that goes differently, right? If, if he just goes down, if he just protects the ball and goes to the ground, you get first and goal from the seven, you're down two. It's 14 to 12 at that point. You could kick another field goal and take a lead, <laughs> you know, even if you don't get in the end zone. Uh, and if, but if you if you pay that off for six, you know, it's I guess you would be at it would have been 18 to 14. So I guess you probably would go for two to get up six because it put you had two field goals rather than being up five, which I don't think does anything for you. Um, worst case, you're up four. Um, so, you know, it. It's really even. It's hard to even kind of quantify how much of a game changer that was. Yeah. In part because the defense wasn't able to come up and get a stop and get you the ball back, uh, and then Lila, ninety-five yard touchdown drive, black. But yeah, and it's just you know, like what is the identity of this team? The identity of this team is close but no cigar. Is we do a lot consistent consistently inconsistent, right? Like you, you generate a lot of yards, you move the ball between the twenties, you get chunk plays. Heck, even Lynn Bowden had a chunk play. You know, you had two really nice Lynn Bowden yeah. plays. Juwan Johnson had a chunk play in that game. Chris Olave had at least two in the first half, right? He was on pace to just to have a monster game. Like he had a career, he had a season high in the first half with 114 yards on seven catches. My and fantasy like, alerts were going crazy. Yeah, he was he was good. He was gonna have a monster game. Uh, but your identity right now is a team that has failed at every possible opportunity that has been gift wrapped for you. And um, you know, like whether you want to say this is a you want you want to kind of put a rosy picture on it and say, well, it's this and that. It's right now. It's a failure in a situation where there's no excuse for it. And so, yeah, and, and the frustrating part is you, you, like you mentioned, Tyron Matthew. Like, I don't think Ritter had a good game. I think Ritter had a bad game. Um, but you didn't force him to have a good game to beat you. I guess we can wrap up that segment unless you got something else you want to add. No, we can definitely move on to the next part of the torture of the you know this this post week uh, post week podcast. It's just i really thought man that they they're going to get their shit together and come out with this energy this fire because it was for that extra oomph in the division and that you could stomp uh, a little bit of domination over an opponent and no that that's just not the case <laughs> misery yeah ugly but all right this is inside black and gold i'm jeff nowak he's steve gell if you haven't subscribed yet please do that we're going to be here for the next six weeks whether you like it or not so uh, might as well subscribe <laughs> 
so you don't miss any episodes. But all right, we're going to hit the break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about what didn't work. It's going to be another long segment because there was a lot that didn't work. But, uh, you know, we're going to start from the top down. We're going we're to hit it that way. But all right, stick around on Inside Black and When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowicki, Steve Geller. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Hit me up on Twitter, unless you're one of the people that's already been mean to me on Twitter, in which case, you know, go ahead, keep doing it. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I, one of the, you know, we're going to talk about Derek Carr. We're going to talk about stuff that didn't work. And the first thing is going to be Derek Carr. And the funny thing is like, I'm sure p- folks are mean to him on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny he talked about that. He, he was asked, like, how do you block out the noise? And he's like, yeah, like, when he started in the league, it was just like, yeah, you go play football and you go home and you, you know, you might, you might read something in the paper, you you know, you might, but you're not worried. You're not thinking like, oh, I'm gonna feel like my mentions are a cesspool. Right trending, now. right? Right. I'm gonna have to put up a sponsored Instagram post, and the brand's gonna be like, we can't advertise with you. Look at these replies. Uh, <laughs> and it's and it's funny because it is a different part, especially the younger players who come up who just have dealt with that their whole lives and they're you know they they are active on social media like right. mike thomas is tweeting during the game which come on mike don't tweet during the game that's just <laughs> i don't like that like he might can do what he wants to do you know he's on injured reserve he's but I, trouble I with that i don't like the tweeting during the game thing i really don't um because it's like you can you're gonna say stuff and people are gonna take like you talked about the the behavioral analysis thing right you know like people are gonna take it a certain way they're gonna assume whatever you say is gonna oh he's subtweeting Derek Carr he's doing that yeah stuff like that like if you're like the coaches have to be like Mike can you not you're not helping anybody like if you want to tweet about the the Ohio State game go I, I'll go for it do what you want to do during the Saints game come on man even if you're tweeting about something else. People are going to take that, you could tweet rap lyrics, but people are going to, they're going to try to interpret it and it's just going to be extra noise. It doesn't have, anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. Why are we talking about that? Um, But yeah, it's, it's ugly to be, to talk about Derek Carr in any way on Twitter. And, you know, one of the frustrating things for me, it's like not every bit of toxic groupthink ideology is correct. But if you try to challenge any of it, then you got people saying, Awful things. Yeah, I've blocked several people. I don't block a lot of people, but you know, if you think making, if you think special needs jokes is funny on social media, I'm going to block you immediately, right? Like I'm going to because that's not okay, right? And like, there's this idea that you can just be as abusive as you want to people, and because you're a fan of this team, that's acceptable. And it's like, you know, you can be mad about the result, but man. The level of toxicity on social media, just the people who disagree with you, who disagree with you on a very specific thing, like whether throwing a back shoulder ball to a receiver 40 yards down the field, intentional or not, is is guaranteed to get them hurt. <laughs> like that's like that's kind of my takes. Like that's just a play in the game. That's a play that happens dozen times during the course of a week. And Chris Olave landed on his head and it's a freak accident. 
you know, like there's there's examples of terrible throws in that game. There's one to Rashid Shahid that is objectively a terrible throw. But it's not, I don't know. It's never that simple. And it's funny because I tweeted that and I was like, I think people are overreacting to this play in terms of its role in getting Chris Olave hurt. And people are like, well, he must be a Derek Carr stan and, and this and that. It was like, yes, I, Derek I Carr said, let me get my number one receiver hurt. So stupid. I will read you the take, the paragraph that I wrote for my take on the Derek Carr situation uh, on the internet. It's documented. You can go find it. And this is, I'm quoting myself because people seem to think that I just have no indication of whether Derek Carr has been good or bad. I'm just standing for it regardless. I say Carr simply hasn't shown that he can elevate this offense and it's getting more and more difficult to endorse the idea of this being more than a one and done project. You should be at the very least seeing signs of an identity and growth from this team. You've seen a lot of mostly empty yards. That's about it. This game, while being a bit unique in the sense of all the adverse circumstances you encountered, is just the latest installment in a season of misses. First of all, I think that's well-written. Go me. Second of all, <laughs> like it is possible to have a more complex take than this guy sucks, get him out of here. Like There is more going on than just Derek Carr not being good enough. But all that said, Derek Carr has not been good enough. And that is a fact. Like You can look at it and say, okay, they're doing some things better than they did earlier in the season. You can look at it and say they have generated a bunch of chunk plays. You can look at it and say, you know, Rashid Shahid has been a weapon. They've utilized him well down the field. You know, there's a lot of things you can point to and say this isn't all bad. But at the end of the day, you brought in Derek Carr for a reason. And right now, that doesn't look like a good reason. Um, and so you look at this game and you say, what about this game was different in terms of what he has struggled with all year? And at the end of the day, it's just the, it's just the same in different ways. Right, whether it's turnovers, whether it's penalties, whether it's missed opportunities, the Saints have not gotten the job done in the red zone, and Derek Carr has not been a good red zone quarterback his entire career. So, More facts right there. And, and so you you look at it, and you say, okay, you know, I don't think they're going to make any changes. I don't think this team would be better off with Jamison at quarterback. It would just be a whole different set of challenges that you're trying to figure out. But the question to me, it's like you're not looking at this and saying, okay, do changes need to be made? You're looking at this and saying you go into the offseason. It's like not whether changes need to be made, it's how broad and sweeping do those changes need to be? Are you clearing out the entire coaching staff and trying to start fresh with Derek Carr quarterback? Are you clearing out the offensive coordinator and trying to install a new offense around Derek Carr quarterback? Are you trading up and maybe going to get a quarterback and saying Derek Carr is your bridge because you're going to have a hard time moving on from him anyway? My point is there's more nuance to it than just saying everything Derek Carr does is terrible and even talking about it in measured, non-emotional ways means that you are in the bag for Derek Carr. I had someone say, you, you want to stay on Derek Carr's Christmas list. And, you know, in fairness, I bet that's a pretty fire Christmas list. I bet the cars give out some pretty, some pretty baller gifts. I'm just saying. I just seem like that type of family. Um, I also had someone who said something nice to me on Twitter, which almost never happens. And someone replied to him that I was like, that I was uh, replying to my own tweets from a burner account. And funny because like, I probably would think the same thing because everyone's so mean on Twitter that like the idea that someone says a compliment, it was just so outlandish. And and I replied, I was like, no, if that was me and my burner account, which I don't even have a burner account. Uh, I use our, 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 say, our podcast account as my burner account. <laughs> But if like if that was me, I would have been way meaner to me. So 
yeah. Any, anyway, that's just a that's just a rant. But you know what? Like Derek Carr hasn't been good enough. We can just say it. We can we can be clear. He has not been good enough, and this team is struggling in a lot of ways. And it starts with him. And I don't know how if it's going to get better as long as he's there. But at the end of the day, you got to watch it and you got to look at it and figure out what's going wrong in order to fix what's going wrong. And unless you can do that in a way that is that is more meaningful than this guy sucks, get him out of here. It's not analysis. It's just yelling. There was a part in the game I felt a little bad for Carr, obviously, when, you know, you're without Thomas. Boom, you know, Shahid's limping around. Then Olave goes out of a concussion. It's like, well, who the heck is left? Yeah, it was like, it felt like last season when you're like, who the heck's left on this receiving core to throw to? You know, it's funny because you want to be able to say, well, this game went a certain way because of that. And the problem is you can't because <laughs> the, the issues existed when all three guys were healthy and they existed when all right. three guys weren't healthy. Um, they did move the ball even after those guys went out, you know, so it does give you at least some reason to think when they get out there on Sunday against the lions, they will have some options, right? Like they, they're not dead in the water without those three receivers, but it changes your offense entirely in terms of what you're going to do. And it's going to force Pete Carmichael to get creative. And we know that hasn't been the uh, recipe for success so far this can we, season. Can we but, hope for a miracle of miracles in the concussion protocol? It's possible, right? Like, who knows? It, it's it's tough because right. it's a second concussion. Yeah, I, I hear you there. And they're not gonna they're not gonna be more lenient on Chris just because the Saints are that desperate at wide receiver. But right? we need them. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to sway them. I think uh, Zach uh, Zach Ewing, who does the kind of one on one with Derek Carr every week, they talked about like the concussion protocol and like they you have to like me- like you memorize certain things and repeat them back and like there's quizzes like that. And he's at one point Derek was like, I don't know the answer to that question, but if you could have asked me two weeks ago and I wouldn't have known it then either. <laughs> right? So it's like it's not it's not a simple process to clear right, those right, neurological exams. Or, you know, it's not like you can cheat, not like you can study for him. Like they just, you kind of just got to do them. Although maybe because he's been through it before, maybe he's got a head start on what to expect. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Fingers but, crossed but for can, a lot can, of Yeah. So let's, let's move on to the next, the next topic in terms of what didn't work because it wasn't just Derek Carr. You know, the offense, obviously there's a lot to talk about. We can talk about a lot of it, but there was another thing that didn't work and that was the run defense. Um, and if, if this, if you're a four, three defense that can't stop the run, you're a bad defense. That's like the whole point of a four, three defense is to be able to, to kind of, to kind of gunk up the middle of the field. They look far from elite in this game. Looked far from elite. No. Well, I mean, like, like, again, they kept points off the board, but that wasn't because they stopped the run. It was because Tyron Matthew came up with two very timely interceptions. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you look at it, uh, you know, Bijan Robinson had his way all game. You know, what you can say is you didn't allow any any huge runs. Like, you didn't allow any, like, 30, 40-yard runs. But there was a lot of 10 to 15-yard yeah. runs in that game. And those are just body blows. And you saw those really – I mean, did they throw the ball on that on that last drive for a, for a field goal? I don't think they did. 
and you were only really able to stop them once they got into field goal range and they really just kind of kind of compressed everything to make sure that nothing crazy happened because the field goal basically won them the game there. Um, you know, like, but, but again, it's like one of the reasons you struggle to contain mobile quarterbacks, right. Is because you have these big bulky defensive ends. You're built to stop the run. And when you're not doing that and you're, you're you know, you have these corners on the outside, I thought the corners played pretty well. Right. I think, you know, even without Marshawn, I thought you locked down pretty well on the outsides, but you didn't force them to have to beat you on the outsides. And so that that's the, your advantage is gone when all, all they have to do is, is run a trap play up the middle, you know, on these zone run, like that's a problem. And like, you're going to play this team again in week 18. And that could be a game where the winner goes on to the postseason. And what's going to change? Like what, what's different then than you saw this week? I don't, I mean, it's like you're not, you're healthy on the defensive line. You're healthy in the linebacker core. So yeah, Nathan Shepard and, Colin Saunders, I'm sorry, not getting the job done for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, Cam Jordan, right? Like, one of the things I'll say about Cam Jordan typically is, like, I think if you're obsessed about the number of sacks, then you're never going to be satisfied with Cam Jordan's performance because he's always been a run-first defensive end and he will always be a run-first defensive end. But in order for the value there to make sense, you, you have to also stop the run. And in a game where they had 41 rushing attempts, if you include the scrambles, he had a, one assisted tackle the entire game. And it's like, if you're, if you're going to say, well, you know, I stop the run first and then I worry about the, like I play the run on the way to the quarterback and you, you, you they're, they're in 41 times. They didn't run away from you. They're not running away from cam. They're not running at Carl Granderson, right. you know, and so so like where where was your impact in that game? It just wasn't there. It's like if your if your stars are not playing like stars on defense, and you're all you you know you're having this inconsistency on offense, that's a problem. And so you know that, that run defense, you know, you're not going to face the Falcons every week. You're not going to face a team that wants to pound the ball like that every week, but you are going to face them again. <laughs> and and I saw nothing to close out that game that 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 told me that that when they meet again in six weeks, you're going to see a different result. So I don't know. I don't know if it's a, if you got to have kind of a come to Jesus, you know, if you got to figure out a way to do something different, maybe Peyton Turner gets back. He did travel with the team. Maybe he, as a, as a kind of a, an athletic interior player, maybe he helps in that regard. Maybe JPP can continue to have an impact. He did play. I thought he played reasonably well, but that's a problem. And I don't, and if you can't fix it, then we don't no, really have nothing to talk about. Last year, obviously, it was like, all right, you know, we need to make a change. And, you know, the, the change really hasn't done anything up front on the D-line so far this year. And it just, it's sad to see when, you know, the run defense was such a strength a couple, just a couple years ago, but it's it's deteriorated so rapidly. Go back to, I think, it was week 15 in 2020, the game you went up and faced the Eagles. Going into that game, the Saints had not allowed a 100-yard rusher in like three seasons. The last time it was like Samaje Pirine right, right, in that exactly. game against Washington that the Saints came back from like 10 points down, if you remember that game, uh, and they won it in overtime. Um, I remember that game vividly because I turned it off. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and I looked at the score. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa what? Whoa. Uh, anyway, it's a t- the type of thing that this Saints team definitely isn't going to do this year, right? right. Uh, in that game, the Eagles ran – the, the Eagles not only ran, had a 100-yard rusher, they had two of them. 
because Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts both did it. And, you know, it's like, it felt like at the time, it was like, well, that's kind of an anomaly. Now it feels like that happens way too often. In this game, you actually didn't allow a 100-yard rusher, but you came pretty close. Bijan <laughs> Robinson had 91 yards on 16 carries. That's 5.7 yards per carry. He had a touchdown. Tyler Algier, 64 yards on 10 carries. at 6.4 yards per carry. Cordero Patterson, 43 yards on eight carries. It's 5.4 yards per carry. I mean, you can't allow an average of 5.6 yards per rush. And again, that's a very true number. That's not a number that is influenced by, okay, they had 180. Like you go back to the Colts game and you're like, well, their yards per carry looks a lot better because they had a 40-yard run from Zach Moss and a 44-yard run from Jonathan Taylor. And the rest of the game, you kind of stifled them. No, there were no long runs in this game, right? Bijan Robinson's long run was 17. Tyler Argeo's long run was 14. Cordell Patterson's long run was 12. Desmond Ritter's long run was 16. So that 5.6 is very much representative of what happened all day long. And so, yeah, I mean, like, to me, it's like you can, you know, pick your poison, right? What is your biggest concern you you went into this season hoping that Derek Carr offense could be dynamic and be better than we've seen, but right. you know the the idea was this season it's like you're you're really just trying to get that offense to a point that it can support a dominant defense. Right. The idea was never we are going to have a top three offense and then the defense is just going to be able to sit around and do whatever it wants. Um, you would hope, but the. The point was you, you. the whole idea of kind of keeping this going was you have a championship caliber defense and you don't want to waste it. Right. And and based on what we have seen through 12 weeks, I think this is an average defense at best. Right, an average defense that's definitely been fortunate enough, thankfully, at creating turnovers, which has made them a lot more, uh, I guess, scarier to deal with than, than really uh, you'd think. Because other than that, uh, there's nothing – the the stop in the run is a huge issue, obviously, when it just spills over now, even gets magnified more, I'll say, with with whatever quarterback being back uh, uh, under center, being able to to take off. And, you know, Ritter didn't kill us, to kill the Saints, but it was still 11, 12-yard run to pick up a first kind of deal. That It was like that little nibble. In, uh, they just kept nibbling away with the run game, which worked. And, and the Saints just have not shown the ability, one, to stop the run, or I, I guess it got better this game, their their ability to pound the rock more, but it still felt like, you know, the, the Taysom Hill stat, I'll say, we got we got to that, but it was like almost forced to say, ha, we, we got the seven carries and we didn't get the win. Yeah. No, right, right. Well, you know, it's, it's funny, like that, I, I call it the seven for seven stat. <laughs> um, you know, so what, they're... 17 and two now or whatever right. it was when he gets up. You know, the funny thing is like he did get to that number. And if, if not for that fumble, right. You know, that probably is the reason you won, you know? And so realistically, it's like, you look at that and say like, that it doesn't prove the stat wrong. It actually proves the stat right because you were one <laughs> non, you know, it's just a, a, like a freak punch out play. And, but his involvement got you there. It got you to the point where you felt like, Oh, first and goal from That's inside true, the 10. Right. This is where you take control of this game. So I don't know. I had some, somebody say like they benched him after after that play. And I, I don't think that's necessarily true. 
Um, he doesn't play every offensive snap anyway. I think he only had 25 snaps. Like he's in certain packages. So when you're down two scores, it's it's it, you're not running those packages as frequently. And the thing is, like, I think if you got the if the defense went in there and got the ball back for the offense and you were in decent field position and you just had to again go down and go score to take the lead, I think you would have seen more Taysom Hill, even like the fumble isn't the reason you didn't see him again. Um, but the problem is the Falcons got the ball at their five, drove 95 yards for a touchdown. Suddenly, instead of being down two, you're down nine and you got to score twice. And so you don't have the luxury of of pounding away and trying to, you know, churn out some first downs. You know, like I said, you know, it's not a situational part of your offense. Well, when you're that late in the game down two scores, you do have to abandon some of of what you probably had in your game plan. Um, so. But I think, you know, I don't think that that not my point is the stat now being wrong, I don't think is an indicator that the stat is wrong. Does that right, make sense? I know what you're saying, right. Like I think this the reason the stat is is the way it is, is because when you do that, it typically means you are succeeding and you know you're controlling the ball. And that is what you did. On that drive. Well, I think Triplett responded with the fact that now they're 15 and one when he's got eight carries. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's why that's it it was always kind of a dumb number because it's so arbitrary. I think I still think like the 40, I think the total rushing yards is a better number, although I'm sure there's like a there's a better number you could find of like total yardage. But no matter what, this game will be an aberration because Taysom had a huge game. Right. He had seven carries for 26 yards. He had two carries for 55. I'm sorry, two catches for 55 yards. One of them was a 36 yard. Man, that grab was amazing. Right. And so like he had an impact in this game and he just lost it. But um, a couple other things before we go and we don't have to harp on it. Another thing that didn't work was A.T. Perry's brain brain malfunction. Right. Well, you know, it's funny because I I listened to the deuce, the, the, the spot you did with deuce and, and deuce said he thought he just forgot the play. I don't, I think based on what Dennis Allen said and what Derek said, he thought he false started and he expected a penalty to be thrown. And that's why he didn't go. But like, even if that's the case, you got to go until the refs stop you. Right. <laughs> like you can't assume they're going to throw a flag, you know, like the, we've seen the refs screw up. We know the refs aren't going to get everything right. Like, there's a two point conversion against the Vikings. Half the offensive line falls started. They didn't call it. Like they're not going to call it every time. And you can't bail on a play because you think you 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 false started. Like Very worst case, right? You're running that play and then apologizing afterward because I'm sorry I screwed up, but we got another chance. Not running that play. And you know some people ask, oh well, why why would you run it to him in that situation? So they're doubling inside. You have. Your six foot five wide receiver getting one on one. It wasn't AJ Terrell. I can't recall who was in coverage, but like that's a matchup you he, he's here to exploit. That makes sense. He's on the field. He's got to be an option in certain situations, and they're daring you to throw to him. And he has an advantage if you put that fade up there, and he can go get it. We saw him do it against the Vikings. Like he can go up and get a ball. So like I don't I don't think like like again it's just an example. Of, like we're gonna say that's on Derek Carr. Or we're gonna say that's on Pete Carmichael. At Perry. You got to be better than that. You got to understand your job. You got to do it. And, you know, in terms of his opportunity to kind of cement a role, now it doesn't matter because you don't have any other wide receivers anyway. So his role is going to be, he's going to have a role. You don't really have an option anymore. But, you know, in terms of the confidence of the quarterback, he didn't get another target. 
in that game until the final drive. So, you know, and that's like, you know, you talk, you hear this with Aaron Rodgers and, you know, I know Randall Cobb was on the jets for the sole purpose of explaining to the wide receivers. If Derek, if Aaron doesn't like you, he's not going to throw you the ball. <laughs> like trust is important. You got to trust guys to be where they're supposed to be. Uh, and with a rookie, that's always tough. And so, you know, I give, I give ATL credit because he did save a possession when Derek got the ball kind of knocked out in a scramble and he was just, Johnny on the spot and, and collected it. And he's not going to get right. much credit for that in the stat sheet, but it did right. save a drive. So he does deserve credit there. And, you know, he's a rookie. You're not going to hold it against him too much. It's just, it's disappointing um, that he wasn't able to at least give himself a chance to take advantage of that opportunity. The other thing is, so why did Derek throw the ball anyway, even though he didn't run the route? Well, when you're running, when you're throwing a fade, that ball comes out early. You got to get it out early because you got to, you got to loft it. You got to get it to the spot with enough tra- trajectory. And so you don't, you're not sitting there watching and seeing if the receiver is winning before you throw it. You're just taking your drop. You're putting it up in the right spot. And what Derek said is he, he saw him kind of stuttering, uh, thinking that that was his release. But in reality, he was just kind of like hopping up and down because he was mad at himself. And so the throw went there anyway. But I, I think that would be the case. You, you're not bailing on the throw. Based on what the receiver is doing, you're just you're they're throwing that ball. The motion, right? So that's frustrating to see. Um, I I think there was a few others, but you know, the, it, it all comes back to the to the same point is you know you look at this offense and you see potential and you see talent and you see chances and missed chances and missed opportunities and. <sighs> And you hear the same things week after week. And that's what Alvin's mad about. Like, that's what Alvin is talking about when he says this team talks a lot. They, they say they have to be better, but what? where are we getting better? And, and in that game specifically, it felt like he took a step back. And once again, obviously, when you have these red zone issues, it's going to be brought up over and over and over. Why the heck you got Jimmy Graham on this roster when he is a red zone target, red zone specialist, whatever you want to consider him, yet you refuse to utilize him. And then on days during the week, like Wednesday, he pops up on an injury report with rest and it's just insulting. Jimmy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, well hopefully he, he's, you know, he's, he's got it. If you, if you can catch a ball, you're in the lineup to not, to, hopefully uh, he's Sunday. rested because I think <laughs> this is a week where you're going to have to, you're going to have to get something from somebody. And whether it's Jimmy, whether it's Jawan, whether it's Lynn, whether it's John Trey, I don't care. Marquez Callaway, I uh, better be ready. Yeah. I mean, we might need Jawan to switch back to a wide receiver. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's wrap up that segment. We will come back and talk about you know what the few things that did work. There were a few positives that that are worth pulling out of this game, and then we're gonna kind of reset and say, okay, where are we in the standings? What does it look like? Do the Saints control their own destiny? Parentheses, yes, they do. Uh, and we'll talk about that. This is inside black and gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. The dog is shaking around. I don't know if you heard that, but very very annoyed at me. Uh, I thought maybe it, is there a uh, thunderstorm approaching. No, no, there's a there's a walk approaching that has is a little behind schedule. And so I expect oh, this last segment to be interrupted at least once. But we're gonna do it. We're gonna get it done. This is inside black and gold again. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that. The Saints might let you down, but we that probably will let you down too. That's that's okay. You know, we I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna tell you these things that aren't true. Um, but all right, let's uh let's do it. 
we're back on the Inside Black and Gold Saints Support Group podcast. Exactly. Let it all out. This is a safe space. Um, unless you're on Twitter, that is not a safe space. It's, it's a t- they want to bury you on Twitter. The night is dark and full of possums. Um, <laughs> off track. Off target. We got this going. Anyway, this is the final segment of this podcast. We're going to do a short little segment on what went right, what what did work uh, in the Saints' loss to the Falcons. He spent a lot of time complaining. So I do just I, – I know that people think, oh, you're just all sunshine and rainbows and blah, blah, blah. And Like I just think that there's a point where you should – you can't be all negative all the time. It's unhealthy. And if that's your goal in watching sports, then I don't know how to help you. And so I like to think that this podcast at least takes some time to to say good job to some people. Um, and then we'll continue and we'll talk about kind of, you know, the Saints do control their own destiny, but it's a narrow road. So we're gonna we're gonna get to that. But what did work? Not a lot. There wasn't a lot that went particularly well, but so first things first. Blake Groupie, you know, it's easy to forget. You flashback to week nine, coming out of that Bears game, and all the talk is, cut Blake Groupie. He's not good enough. He's trash. Get him out of here. He made a mistake. Should have been Will Lutz. And, you know, like, he's he's a rookie. Uh, you know, it, it's I, – I get it. There's – you know, it's, it's, a, it's a production league, and, you know, but the team stuck with him, and, you know – he went to that game with a groin injury that cropped up late in the week. That was so odd. He, he, he was still full of practice, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, kickers, like, what does it take to be full of practice? Right? You went there and you I, kicked. I know, but when you hear a groin with a kicker, I was like, oh, shit, they're in trouble. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it was a concern, and the, the Falcons were in the same boat. You know, I was curious right. if, if that game came down to a long field goal for the Falcons. Was Young Kwai Koo capable of right. kicking the ball over 40 yards? I don't know if he was. Um, but Blake, you know, he went five for five. He hit one from 52. He hit one from mid forties. He, he basically hit a kick from every possible distance. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that because I, I started him in fantasy. Uh, he got me 19 kicker points and he could have been 24. That last kick. I don't know if he, you know, I, I'd have to look and see maybe something went wrong in the operation. He clearly didn't get all of it. We know that he has the leg to get it from 54 but it just did not have the it did not have the pop off the off the foot that you know would indicate that he got a full connection um and so it fell short but you know that that was a you weren't winning that i mean it prevented your 0.03% onside kick opportunity chances with like 28 seconds left to then try to get in the end zone like it was it didn't cost you much but I do think like five for five, starting that game five for five when the kicks actually mattered, which at that point I would argue that it didn't matter. It seemed like he also got onto the field. I think there was some confusion over whether you were going to kick it or not. I just think you know, it's it's not a it's not a bright spot you want to talk about coming out of a game where you didn't score any touchdowns. But in a in the reality where you need you need your kicker to be efficient and consistent and reliable, I think he deserves a little bit of credit. Um, after yeah, he, a really rough few games. He was definitely in consideration for my post-game game ball. You know, you can only give out one for the broadcast uh, in the post-game show. I ended up giving it, you know, to um, uh, Matthew because of the two picks, but Groupie was right there. And obviously, yeah, you don't want to be gloating about five field goals, but shoot, 
without him making them, obviously you're in way dire straits than uh, the uh, not. But uh, I think, yeah, the, the best thing I'll take out of it is the fact you, you saw from the 30 range, 40, 50, you saw him be able to hit on all three levels, which is good and getting that confidence back. I think um, at, at least that's there I, I, because you kind of worried that he was feeling a little shaky for a while. Yeah, I mean, people wanted him to get – they wanted <laughs> – is there right like go cut him and go sign so i mean like you can say well yeah those you should make your kicks but at the end of the day he gave you a chance right like he kept you in the game if he misses two or three of those kicks you think we're not talking about like we need a new kicker of course you are so just in the sense of like that is one positive thing that happened in this game Good. Take like it, I'm, right. just, I'm just pointing. I'm just pointing to it. The other one you mentioned, another player that's on my list of stock up in terms of you needed someone to go out there and make big plays. You weren't stopping the run. The defensive line was not getting the job done. Someone had to go out there and make a play in a big moment. And Tyre Matthew, the first interception, it was kind of gift wrapped. I think it was a mistake. Desmond Ritter and the receivers were on the same page, and he just he airballed or he airmailed it, and it kind of just caught Tyron, but. You know, you can say, yeah, it's just a gift-wrapped interception, but you see gift-wrapped interceptions dropped all the time. So making a play on the ball, catching it, you know, making sure that you secure the ball. And, you know, like think about the uh, interception that Marshawn Lattimore had against the Bears that, you know, got turned over because he put the ball on the ground. Like these guys are defensive backs for a reason. So you give him credit there. The second one, you know, I was I had a really good look at it. He was a blanket in coverage, and he said after the game, he was like, "I was surprised that he even threw it because I was in perfect coverage." And he was like, "Thank you for throwing it." Um, <laughs> and you know, it's funny because I, I was watching it and I was like, "Wow, I can't believe he's throwing it there." And it was only a question of whether Tyron would win the battle for the ball or if it would get knocked down, right? And he did, and he made a play when they desperately needed that play. And it set up what should have been a go-ahead drive. Um, and so, yeah, like Tyron, he's not the 2017 Tyron. He's not this MVP caliber safety. Like he's not Troy Pol- primed Troy Polamalu. But he is a player in the secondary that is always in the right spot, has a nose for the ball, and makes big plays. And so, you know, if you're trying to turn this season around, you're going to need more plays like that. And so I thought he he was a bright spot too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, it's just unfortunate when you see a performance like that get wasted kind of thing. But he literally, he tried his damnedest to get this team back in it. I still think Marcus May is an issue. Um, like I, you know, you saw a little bit more Jordan Howden. I think they were, pl- yeah. I think they were playing a little dime at the end. It, it, I think that I would like to see the Saints phase more Jordan Howden reps into the equation, however you do that. And, you know, he's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. I just think athletically, I don't, I don't know if Marcus may ever got fully back from that calf that, that, you know, Achilles injury or whatever he right, was doing. That could still with. be hindering him. Right. I just don't, I mean, I just, you watch it athletically. I just don't see him able to cover in ways that you need him to. And, you know, it wasn't his fault. You know, we, we talked about pressure and adding more pressure and, that's used that touchdown to B. John Robinson. You know, when you send pressure, you isolate linebackers in coverage, you isolate safeties in coverage. And Demario was in coverage. You know, you you get B. John Robinson on a wheel route with Demario Davis chasing him. And it's no disrespect for Demario. Right. He's not he's not winning that. You know, maybe 
Yeah, it, it, he's not going to lose every time, but that's a big advantage for the Falcons when you can isolate that matchup. And it was a great throw. It was Ritter's best it throw. It really of the day. was. It's, it sucked to be like, damn, that was good. It was. It was really good. It was so casual. He put it right in the perfect spot. Like throwing to running backs isn't, you know, it's it, one of the reasons is you don't see that many downfield throws to running backs is because they're not receivers. <laughs> they're not wide receivers. So you got to put it in the right spot um, if you want to expect them to come down with it. And Desmond did, he, he threw that ball on a dime. Uh, yeah, so, Bijan, unfortunately, looks like he's going to be a problem in the, uh, for us in the coming years. He's really freaking good. Right. He reminds me of Saquon, right? He's that same yes. type of player yes. where you can bottle him up uh, all day long and it just takes one. And I was honestly surprised that they that he didn't break one because he was close a couple times and they were able to just get him down kind of with a, with a, with a last second like trip up. And, you know, he's he's... He's that, t- you know, it's funny, like the only thing that the only negative I'll give for Bijan is the fact that he's on the Falcons because teams like the Falcons, they need players like they plural, like they need defensive linemen. They need offensive linemen. They need they don't need another playmaker. Like you're already running Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson and Desmond Ritter. Like you don't necessarily need that. Just like the Giants didn't need Saquon with over-the-hill Eli Manning, they needed an offensive line uh, yeah, and and maybe a quarterback, right? Well, uh, a good thing, too, from, I guess you would say, uh, Falcons winning, it might might give uh, Arthur Smith a little more time. Yeah. You know, I, I was funny. I heard Bo Morgan on the broadcast before the yeah, game. Yeah, I was like, wow, he's double-dipping. Yeah, and, and uh, I didn't know his, his nickname was Squidbilly. That that's Bobby Twitter handle. That's Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah, and I heard Bobby mention that like seven times. Yeah. He kept saying it. He was like, hey, squid. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, you know, one other one other thing, uh, a couple others, and we'll get to them quick. We already talked a lot about Alvin Kamara. He had a great game. Yeah. Um, you know, like if this game goes a different way and the Saints find a way to pull it out, we're, we're probably sitting here talking about that was one of Alvin's best games in, in a couple seasons, right? I think he had 119 total yards. He had 50 receiving yards on his four catches. Some screens worked. He made Caden Ellis look real bad in coverage a couple of times. And, you know, it's it's just that's why, you know, you're talking about Alvin. You're like, why is he frustrated? Well, when you have a game like that and you have an all around game, when you impact the game like that. Right. You're like, what else can I do? Right. Exactly. And and uh, that's frustrating for him. But he had a very good game. You know, a couple other guys, Lynn Bowden, right? Like a guy kind of thrown into the action. He's your he's your returner. You know, it's one of the reasons I. You know, it's funny because I projected him to be on the initial 53-man roster. And when they cut him, I was like, oh, maybe I was off. Maybe I kind of read that incorrectly. But they brought him back real quick, right? Like, they like him uh, and they like what he's able to do. And part of the reason I want, I thought they probably want to keep him around is because of that returnability. He's going to be your backup punt returner. I don't know about kick returner. I think they had Taysom in there. But, you know, that's that's something. He had a couple really nice runs. He, he does things. He's going to be a guy who you can use to fill some of the Rashid Shahid plays in the playbook, right? Like not necessarily downfield because, you know, it's, I hate to say it, but his hands are basically bricks. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not, the hands are not good, but he's athletic. He's able to do things. He's able to, he might throw pass, right? He can throw. Uh, he was a quarterback um, at one point in college, I think at Kentucky. And so, yeah, it's uh, good for him. Juwan Johnson, I thought had a, had a decent game. The offensive yeah, still, line, I thought, blocked pretty well. 
Yeah, uh, was hoping to see Jawan get a little more involved, but yeah, it, it was. Um, well, now. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I felt I, I've been waiting to see more and more from him, obviously. But I think you could say a lot of that for a lot of folks on the uh, the offense. Like this week, obviously, I'm sure Jamal Williams, you know, revenge week, we'll be talking. That's true. I forgot about that. You know, it's funny, Jawan, his t- the timing of his concussion check is very frustrating because, like, you wanted him on the field. Like, once Chris Olave went out, like, your options are limited. And Jawan didn't have a concussion but missed several key snaps as he was getting evaluated. And he ended up having to go back in the locker room. He came back. But, yeah, you didn't have him during some key moments there. But yeah, uh, I think that's that's about it for me. You know, the 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 one other thing we can mention, I thought the out the, the corners played reasonably well. I think we might have talked about that already. You know, Ike Adam, Paulson Adebo, those are going to be your corners for the next few weeks. Um, so <laughs> yeah, you better get used to it. Uh, yeah, because uh, the, the Lattimore going to IR kind of snuck on there on Saturday right before the game. Yeah, and I, and I don't think that's particularly a surprise, right? Da. If they had, if they had not right. ruled that out as of Wednesday, and that's you know the, it was pretty clear that they were still evaluating, and you know the, the deadline to get him on IR and still be eligible to come back week sixteen, which four weeks away is week sixteen, that was Saturday, and so they had to make that decision. So he's not coming back till week sixteen at the earliest. Cam Dantzler was signed to the to the active roster, so he is out there. He was wearing a Marshawn Lattimore T-shirt in warmups, but yeah, it's uh. There's going to be a lot to talk about with the Lions. Um, going to be a lot to talk about with Dan Campbell coming back to town. Aaron Glenn, another another def- the second defensive coordinator in a row that is a former Saints assistant um, and definitely knows the team he's going to be going against pretty well, although he's at least a couple more years removed. Um, hey, I'm trying to think too player-wise. Do they have anybody else besides Anzalone? I, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Well, they have CJ, but I don't think he's on IR. Right, right. Oh man, thank God we're not seeing CJ. Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, that's right. Is it back up? Teddy time. Teddy two gloves. I'm sure Chase, I'm sure Sam Laporto will have a Ugh. massive game, but he is not a former Saint. Gotta watch out for Jamar Gibbs, obviously, too. <laughs> they have Julian Aquara and Romeo Aquara. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So just Anzalone and then Teddy. That's gonna be okay. the guys. They have just as many assistant coaches as they have former Saints players, which is surprising. You'd think they would have a couple, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, Aaron Glenn's, I know, someone that will get uh, head coaching calls or at least interviews for you know, for a plenty of open jobs that are coming. He has been, yeah. So let's just close this out as just because we promised. So the Saints do control right. their own destiny. I had a few people tell me that they don't, um, because if the Falcons and Saints both went out, <laughs> the Saints. That, that the Falcons would have a better record than the Saints. Well, that would be true if that was possible. It's true. They would win the tiebreaker. The problem is the Saints and Falcons can't both win out. And so you're talking, you know, like the difference comes in the margin, right? Like if you had won that game, you've been two games up. And so you could afford to lose this game to the Lions, for for, for example, because right. you're not going to be, you're gonna, the Lions are going to be favored. This is going to be, well, I think the Saints actually do match up here much better than than people are going to give them credit for. This is going to be a very difficult game to win. And in order to say you control your own destiny now, that's the difference. To say you control your own destiny now, you have to beat the Lions. If you had beaten the Falcons, you could say we control our own destiny 
and we have baked in some wiggle room if we could afford to lose this game. And uh, now you cannot say that. But once you get past this game, you end up with Detroit. I'm sorry, you end up with Carolina, who just fired their head coach. Maybe they get better. Probably not. You're probably going to. This is the stretch now. Bam, bam, bam. Three, three straight at home for crying out loud. Three straight at home, right? So you get Carolina at home. Then you get the Giants at home, which. Danny DeVito. It's Danny DeVito show. I'm glad we got Bobby saying Danny DeVito now, too. Um, did he come up with that on his own, or did you tell him? To say no, I, I didn't tell him. So, yeah, he yeah. he just came up with Danny <laughs> DeVito. Tommy and Bobby are on the same yeah, wavelength. Same wavelength. Well, because Tommy DeVito, it's funny because Tommy DeVito is the, the guy from uh, Goodfellas. Oh, okay. That's Joe right. Pesci. Joe Pesci's character. Yeah. yeah. So, so like, that, like a clown? Yeah. Right, right, right. But I, but I think Danny DeVito is way funnier than uh, than any Goodfellas references. Um, well, they they just won an ugly ass game, and I could expect that kind of matchup against the freaking Saints. They've won two games in a row, you know. And so, one thing you know, you look at these games at the end of the year, and you say, well, some of these teams are going to be tanking, right? Some of these teams are going to be like, we're fucked. <laughs> like we're 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 done. We're dead in the water. We're gonna go to backups. We're not, you know, you're not gonna see guys playing hard. The Giants are still playing hard. So that's not gonna be a walkover game now. And 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 neither will Carolina because Carolina has no has no reason to tank because they don't have a first round pick. Oh, that's so, so sad. Like if Carolina had their first round pick and they were <laughs> on track to be the number one pick in the draft, then yeah, you probably would see them tank. But there's no there's no reason to now. So no, there's players and coaches fighting for jobs. Yeah, you're gonna at least get a representative effort out of them, and it's a divisional game. They're gonna fight hard, so those games won't be walkovers. But then Rams, who knows? Playing hell of a lot better by that point. Bucks, I think it's possible you see Kyle Trask in that game. I, I think I think. Baker's dealing with an injury, so we'll see. I know see. he got hurt and came back last game. Yes, yeah, he did. Uh, and either way, you're talking week 17 for a team that feels like they're headed in the very opposite direction of of where, where they started. Maybe, you know, the Saints and Falcons are trying to go right. Like, I think you might see the team that does own its first round pick <laughs> and feels like it's in the running for one of these top quarterbacks, right? Yeah, you might see them do what you kind of expected all season, which is just phone it in. But uh, And then so you have Atlanta after that. Now, if you want to look on the other side and see Atlanta's schedule, well, the only team with an easier schedule than the Saints is the Falcons. And part of that's because the Falcons play the Saints twice. So, you know, their schedule is just as easy, right? So you're talking Jets, Bucks, then Panthers. Now they have the Colts in Atlanta. That's going to be a game where you at least look at it and say, okay, that the Bucks or the Colts are a good offense. Right. They the might opponent probably... is at least going to give up a fight. Right. Whereas like the Jets with Tim Boyle, who, you know. Um, I don't know how the freaking Jets beat the Eagles this year. Because weird stuff happens. Exactly. Right? Right, you look at the, the Eagles NFL, and maybe. 10 and 1? 9 What's and 1? That? What are the Eagles? 9 and 10 and 1? Yeah, 10 and 1. They're 10 and 1, and their only loss is to the Zach Wilson. Yes. Jets. Right. White uh, makes no sense. No. And so, like, like both of these teams are probably feel like we need to win the next five games so we can get to that week 18 matchup. And what this loss for the Saints did is it means, 
you know, you probably lose that tiebreaker if you do end with the same record. And they obviously could end with the same record if, for example, the Saints go out and lose to the Lions and then win their next four and the Falcons win their next five games. And then I think you would get into that game and it would come down to division record. And if that's the case, the Falcons would win that tiebreaker. And so right. you be like that. The, the biggest difference is it's not necessarily that the Saints don't control their own destiny. It just means that they have no wiggle room left. In order to say they control their own destiny, they have to win this week. Otherwise, you will need at least one loss from the Falcons. And that's not where you want to be. It's not where you should be. It's not where you thought you would be, but that's where you are. And, you know, this this team is going to say, hey, we can go out and win our final six games and get to the postseason, but you got to go do it. And, uh, you know, it's I, I don't – I have not seen anything over the last month that would lead me to believe this team is on the verge of making a run. And, uh, yeah. But if for the purposes of saying the Saints still control what they can control – you know, and it's not you're going to win out and still miss the playoffs. Like if you win out, you make the playoffs. That's 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 where you're at. Yeah, and I know a lot of folks probably want to know why aren't we talking about, you know, the firing of anybody. I think we've talked about it enough. Honestly, it's like we we already feel like this organization is not going to make any season in-season changes. Nothing so drastic. It would have to be, I guess, the Saints drop on I don't know how many more in a row that you would make you would think some kind of drastic move would come. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you get eliminated from the playoffs, then, then sure, like you, you might see something, you might see some moves, but again, like this late in the season, you're not making any tangible changes that are going to really affect anything in a positive way. No, it's right? like that's, that to me is the question too. When people say, why don't you fire Dennis Allen? It's like, all right, who's taking over for him then? Who's the interim even? Right. Right. It's probably Pete. <laughs> There is no way in hell it's going to be Pete. Maybe Joe Woods. Uh, I don't know. Um, I was thinking maybe Marone just because he's been there before. He probably would be Marone. I don't know, but I don't know, that right? Would, that wouldn't be better. Uh, you know, it, it's, yeah. And so, like, you're looking at it and saying, okay, what can you do the rest of the way? If you go out and you lose your next three games and, you know, it's it's funny because it's like, I just, I just don't think like even if you do plan to fire people in the offseason, it does not benefit you to do it early, unless you have to. Because here's the thing, you, you, you get rid of the coach and you get rid of that support system, and who knows what happens? Like you don't like, like you're talking about a very combustible room of people that you need to at least be pulling in the same direction for the final few games, regardless of whether you're in contention or not. Like you need, you need a, a guy who's going to lead the team and go out there and get the job done. And you remove that. And that, that, that throws a whole lot of variables into the equation. You got young players. Like you look at the stuff like, like Chris Olave getting arrested for speeding. Like, you know, just these are young guys. These are, these are players that you need to keep, you know, at least pointed in the right direction, you know? And, and to this point, I think you've seen DAB, effective in that right like you haven't seen any you know blow-ups or anything like that like the closest thing has been alvin kind of speaking his mind and you know that's just alvin uh he would have done that whether sean was here or not um so uh, i mean i guess you could i don't know if you count like car's temper tantrum yeah well but, but you know car it's funny because car has been kind of subdued 
it's very clear that he's made a, a decision to to be a positive influence. He said that. And yeah. and it's like, it, it is funny because you did have that stretch. You remember we were talking about how he was blowing up on Chris and, and Pete on the sideline. He hasn't really done that, but we haven't seen the offense improve, be good since then. So maybe, maybe it's time for him to get mad again. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like I, someone's got to get angry, right? Damn. Yeah. Like, like we were talking about coming in, like you fire Frank Reich. I imagine, you know, we're going to, we're going to learn more about this firing in the coming days. And I guarantee you that the whole CJ Stroud, Bryce Young thing drove a wedge between he and David Pe- Tepper. And massive. When, Absolutely. When, when that working relationship becomes untenable, you don't fire the owner, you fire the coach. And <laughs> I don't think that Gail and, and DA are having any issues. I don't think Mickey and DA are having any issues. The issues are the production. And you're going to get to the end of the season. You're going to make that decision. Um, I would love for it to be a playoff run. I would love for it to be a playoff run. Like I'm not ever going to be one of those people who is rooting for a team to lose to just so people get fired. You know, I would always, I'm always going to land on the, on the rosy side of that picture in, you know, a turnaround where everything starts going great and they get on a run and they and they make it to the playoffs, and they you know even if they lose, like I'm never gonna root against that. I'm just that's just not me. That's not how I choose to go about my fanhood and my football view, viewing. And part of it's because I I grew up watching Giants, and I've watched that happen, and I can I know how that can turn out when it does happen. Um, but I'm not telling you that's likely. So we're not you know uh, jinxing for Jaden or anything. We're not tanking for Jaden. Jinxing for Jaden. That's <laughs> yeah, that didn't really work. It just yeah. Uh, I think we got we got to go back to the drawing board on that. Yeah, exactly. Jonesing uh, for Jaden. Yeah, <laughs> better than jinxing at the very least. You know, um, he, gets, he gets the uh, red shirt year under Derek Carr to learn, and then bam, there you go. Solution. Well, so that that is one thing, and we can talk about that. So you talk about changes. You talk about you know when I say one and done in terms of the project with Derek Carr. Um, you look at it and you say, well, what does that mean? How, how do you get out from under Derek Carr? And, and to me, you know, I don't think you're going to find a trade partner for him. I, you know, maybe if you do, but you're still paying, like you're, you're not, you're not really saving money in that front. And I think you're probably going to move on. Like, I don't think you're bringing Jameis back next year. And so what, to me, what a one and done could look like is, you, if you do move on from at the very least Pete Carmichael and you install a new offensive scheme, right? You, you bring in a young, you know, a, a Joe Brady, right? You bring in somebody who, you know, you expect to revamp this offensive system and you say, okay, Derek, you got one year. Let's see what you can do. But you also go out and you draft whoever that offensive coordinator, you draft their quarterback. You draft the guy that they love, that they want to work with in the long run. And so you still have Derek Carr. It kind of you look at the Titans, right? You look at how they operated this year under Ryan Tannehill and and then you know they turn to Will Levis and he looks really good and they're going to keep going with him. But it was never a planned thing of oh we're going to draft Will Levis and he's going to take over for Ryan. It was, you know, we're going to see what happens with Ryan and go from there. Right. And to me, that's how you kind of approach it. If you do you know, if you if your offense does not turn a corner and you kind of see the writing on the wall and and you make some change, whether it's DA or whether it's just the offense, I think that's one way you can handle it in terms of splitting the difference of you owe Derek Carr this money 
And you do need a starting quarterback. You're not going to have a top five pick where you can go get a Caleb Williams and say that's our week one starter. And frankly, I, I've, I've said this before, I don't think starting a rookie week one is the answer. So you can maybe, you know, who falls to 16, 18, right? Like who is that end of first round guy where you're looking at a Kenny Pickett, right? Or whoever it is, right? Can you, can you find a guy and develop them? And then maybe week 12, if things don't work out with the offense as a whole, then you start the new, you start the clock, right? You start the clock fresh with a young guy. To me, that's a, that is a, that is a palatable kind of, solution to the Derek Carr question. Now, if Derek comes out the last five games and blows up and suddenly I'm like, man, <laughs> great. You know, no one would be happier in terms of, I would just love to watch fun football games. That's all right. I want. I just want to have a good time watching football games. And right now I'm not. At, no, at this all. offense is not making it fun at all again. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> right. Make football fun again. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. Anyway, that's 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 where I'm at, and so this has been a very a 90 minute. Uh, I feel like we have too many of these therapy sessions. That's the Saints' <laughs> fault. That's why we're all in therapy. Yes, inside <laughs> black and gold, the podcast you go to to cry. Um, Let it out. Angry, angry cries, angry tears. But all right, that's going to wrap up this episode. We'll be back on Wednesday, injury report edition, like we do with the road weeks. But we're going to get home games, so. Yes we'll be able to at least get into a more reasonable post game edition schedule, um, which feels like we've had no home games this year because one of them was a Thursday and one of them was week. Well, it feels like I, per, me personally, I didn't get to go to week one. So, <laughs> and, and then, I mean, and just in general, I don't know what it is. These, these weeks, I mean, Minnesota following the bye week that, that seems like eons ago already it does. <laughs> It does, and every day, every day is a new challenge to 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 not be depressed. I'm, I'm um, going to try and stay positive. Like I said, my big one right now is please, Chris Olave, get through that concussion protocol and be able to play this week because we definitely need it. Yes, I agree. Anyway, this is Inside Black and Gold. Thanks everyone who listened. Thanks everyone who subscribes. If you haven't subscribed, go subscribe. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Do your thing. Thanks everyone for listening all the way to the end. I'm I'm amazed that you got here, but. We did it together. We will talk later in the week. Who that? I know that was a bad who that. I kind of said who that. Who that? Go Saints. It's kind of your moment. This is, I always leave that space for you to shine. <sighs> who that? <laughs> All right. Be easy, y'all. Peace. Peace.